All right. Woo, good morning, you guys. How are you today? My name's Pastor Rick, and I'm the executive pastor, also known as Plan B, when Pastor John and Anna are on vacation. So here I am. <laughs> Just kidding. They're on a much-deserved vacation right now. We're so excited for them. But it is good to be with you guys today. I am so thankful. How many were at our block party yesterday? Come on. Was that awesome or what? We had... A lot of people, our first annual one, great group of volunteers. Thanks to everyone who helped put that on. It was incredible. It might have been 1,000 degrees out there, but it was also 1,000 degrees of fun. So we had a good time out there. So thank you guys so much. Well, is there anyone here that's like me and you are an Olympic junkie? Anybody love the Olympics out there? Okay. Oh, I, lo I loved it. I, I felt your energy. She's like me right there. Yes, I saw that. Um, I am totally an Olympic junkie. So is my wife. We love whenever the Olympics come around, and of course it's been a little bit of time now since our last Olympics, and uh, so here we are staying up every night. These stories, just they're always great stories, and it's an amazing time, but maybe you have that feeling like I have when I watch the Olympics. It's like, have I accomplished anything with my life? <laughs> you see these teenagers, you know, they're like 17 years old, and they're winning all these races and golds, and it's like incredible what they've accomplished at such a young age. And, um, you know, I was, I was just thinking this week, like, wow, these people are living the life they were meant to live. What an exciting thing to be able to say that about yourself. And that's actually the title of my message today, The Life You Were Meant to Live. And um, so, you know, we all have had moments where we have felt in our life like we were destined for something more. We were meant for something more. And maybe we stepped into something and it wasn't quite what we expected it to be. Anybody been there in your life? You know, not, not exactly how you planned it out or scripted it out. Well, I remember many, many years ago when I was seven years old, a wee little lad, um, my dad and I were driving in the car one day. And my dad, man, he just had the best of intentions. Anytime an ambulance or a fire truck would drive by, he, he'd want to follow it to go and pray. Pray over the situation that God would just heal or whatever needed to happen, he wanted to go and pray. And so one time, like I said, a long time ago, this fire truck passed us by, and my dad said, let's follow it, and let's see what's going on, and we can stop and pray. So sure enough, we followed it for a little bit, and uh, it turned into this neighborhood, and, and there was a big crowd there, and my dad parked the car where we could park it, and, and we got out, and... and we just saw a crowd of people, and, and so we kind of walked through the crowd because my dad really wanted to get us to the front so we could pray over the situation. So we got to the front of the crowd, and there was this kid laying on the ground, and you could see his bike was all mangled up, and there was a car there, and there was a, a, a lady crying, and this kid was just kind of laying down flat and just like this, and my dad and I were like kind of maybe about five feet away, ten feet away, and and we just start praying over this kid. And my dad, of course, you know, being a Pentecostal man, he's praying loud. And, and loud and proud, as they say. And he's just going for it. And I'm a little embarrassed at my dad. But I'm like, I think I'm supposed to be putting my hands out too. And so I'm putting my hands out. And I'm praying for this, this kid on the ground. And it seemed like forever, but it wasn't very long when my dad was into his prayer. And all of a sudden, somebody comes running in right in front of us, and says, cut, cut, this is not in my script. We're not supposed to have anybody praying. All of a sudden it made sense. Oh, there's lights. Oh, there's a crowd of people. I'm not kidding you. Right when this happened, this kid that was laying down like this that we thought was dying... He gets up like this, and he's just shaking his head at us. My dad and I did the spiritual walk of shame. As we walked through the crowd, back to our car, and I think about seven years later, we were able to laugh about it, but it took a while um, because... We were praying over the TV show Chips, so <laughs> I don't think they kept us in the show. I don't remember seeing it when that one aired, but um, wow, 
best of intentions my dad had, it did not go the way we had planned it. We were kind of, yeah, we were really embarrassed. But you know what? Amazing thing. When we step out like that, we begin to realize something. You know what? My life was meant for something more. I'm destined for something more than what I can see, than what I've experienced up until now. So my question for us this morning is this one simple thing. Are you living the life you were meant to live? That's my encouragement this morning. You know, I'm not talking about the life that you want to live. I'm not talking about the life that your neighbors live or your friends live or that social media says you're supposed to live or that TVs or movies portray. I'm not talking about the life that the world wants you to live. I'm talking about the life that God, who created you, destined you to live. Is that the life that you're living right now? You know, this morning we're going to take a look at 1 John chapter 4. You know, every single person was created with a destiny, with a calling on your life, with a plan. If you're wondering if God still has a plan for your life, I have one simple test. Take a deep breath right now with me. Blow it out. If you were able to do that, God still has a plan for your life. He's still working on you. He's not done. In fact, dare I say for some of you, maybe the best is yet to come. That's an exciting thought to think about, right? So here's the thing. God has a plan for your life, but he has certain instructions. There's a way in which he wants us to live so that the best results can happen. I don't know about you, but um, has anybody here ever shopped at Ikea before? Any I- yeah, I-, I know. It kind of is the bane of my existence only because there's instructions for everything. Um, but here's the thing I know. If you shop at Ikea and you buy even a simple little stool, if you don't follow the instructions, you're going to be there for three or four hours trying to figure it out. At least that's my problem. Um, Or when I was a kid playing with Legos, if I thought I could build whatever it was on my own without following the instructions step by step, it just took way too long and it was way harder. God's made our life kind of that same way. He He has a way in which he wants our life to play out. He has instructions for our life. And if we do it God's way, man, it's amazing how things can work out and we can live that life that God destined for us. So here's my main thought this morning. When we live by the Spirit of God, His love will flow through us and lead us to the life that we were meant to live. When we live by the Spirit of God, His love will flow through us to the life that we were meant to live. So we're in 1 John chapter 4 in this series, Live That Love. 1 John, a little book in the New Testament, awesome book, that really its core is about God's love. Now we're not sure exactly who wrote it, but we believe that it's the the disciple John who wrote the Gospel of John. That's what most scholars think. And the book was really written as a way for us, for Christians of John's time, but our time now, to be able to understand if we're living the life that God intended for us to live. And a life through love. So there's three core themes that we see in the book of 1 John that we've been taking a look at in this series. One of them is the incarnation of Christ. That Jesus came in human form and he died for us. God became flesh, became man, and he died for us. And the reason why that John made this a theme is because in his time and in our time now, people people deny that Jesus actually was deity. That he was the son of God. That he was the incarnated Christ. And so you'll see in a few minutes as we read why John places some of the scriptures that he does in 1 John. The other theme that we see in John is a theme about love. The command in 1 John is that God calls us to love because God is love. And if God is in us, then a natural byproduct product of that would be to love those around us. And the third theme that we see is Christian certainty. Certainty in our Faith, that Jesus is, in fact, the Son of God. That we can be certain in a changing world in the things that God says. But we'll come back to that one later on. Let's take a look um, at 1 John chapter 4. But I want you to kind of imagine with me right now that all of us in this room, we're all walking into the doctor's office together right now. A lot of fun, right? Everybody loves going to the doctor, right? No, we don't. Many of us don't. Um, But we know we need to go to the doctor sometimes because one of the first things they do is they check your vitals. 
And the vitals are, like, kind of tell the rest of the story. It's like when we open the hood on a car, you begin to see what's really going on. And so 1 John chapter 4 is kind of like that for our faith. It's like checking our vitals. It's checking those things that are essential for a life of following Christ. So as we take a look at 1 John chapter 4, my first thought for us today is this. If you're online, you can take notes at home, and if you're with me right here, follow along as we go. My first thought is, what are you living for? What are you living for? Think about that question for a minute. What is it in your life that motivates you? What's that goal that you're aiming for? What is it that when you wake up in the morning, you're living for? Verses 1 through 6, let's read this. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know, this is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. So real body, the incarnation of Christ. Here's John addressing that issue. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. Not only timely for the time of John, but for our time right now, the spirit of Antichrist. Verse 4, but you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. That's a Hall of Fame verse right there. Those people belong to this world. They speak from the world's viewpoint, and the world listens to them. But we belong to God, and those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. That is how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. Wow, a lot in that right there. Great, great passage. The spirit of the world versus the spirit of of God. This is a central theme, not only in this passage, but it's something that we wrestle with in our own life. If you're a follower of Christ, this is a constant struggle. Am I following the world more, or am I following God's plan more? Is the Holy Spirit guiding me each and every day, or are things of this world guiding me? You know, there's a simple little thing we could ask ourselves. The difference between the world and God, the difference between the two is this. The world spirit is motivated by self. It makes decisions based upon now. What makes my life better now? And it's rooted in a selfish spirit. But God's spirit is motivated by love. Always with an eye on the eternal. A sense of eternity. The bigger picture, the bigger plan. And the motivation is for others. How can we bless others? It's an incredible thing when we're living by the Spirit of God. You see, what are you living for in your life? What is it that motivates you? What is it that gets you excited about your life and what you're supposed to do? You see, when the Holy Spirit empowers you, supernatural things happen. And what supernatural is is simply this. God takes your natural and puts it with his super. And the supernatural unfolds. That's when you tap into that life you were meant to live. When all of a sudden God's favor starts flowing through you and relationships start mending and all of a sudden you start seeing God's blessing and you look back at your life and you say, how did all of this happen? Only God could have done it. That is the life that God intended you for. You see, but the spirit of this world wants to say that you're worthless, that your has-been, that there's no hope for you, or that there's too much fear to really move forward. But verse 4 that we just read reminds us that greater is the Spirit of God in you than the Spirit in this world. Greater is He that lives in you than He that lives in this world. It's a verse that we say, it's a verse that we've heard, but do we really believe it? Do we really live with that kind of mindset 
that no matter where I'm at, no matter what situation, my workplace, my neighborhood, my family, where maybe there's darkness or maybe things are, are hopeless, I can step into it and God's spirit in me is greater than anything the world would throw at me. Do you believe that? Amen. The other thing it says there in verse 6 is, who are you listening to? This is so important. You know, I had somebody once tell me that every time we go to see a movie, it's like listening to a two-hour sermon. There's a truth that's being put in your life by the world, whether you realize it or not. And it happens automatically every day, whether it be through social media, whether it be through um, societal pressures, whether it be through TV shows or the music, whatever it is, there is a truth being placed in you. Are you listening to that truth more than you are the truth of God, the truth of his word? Because I promise you, without even realizing it, you'll get down the road. It's like this drift. It's like when you go to the ocean, you're at Lifeguard Tower 7, and before you know it, you're at Lifeguard Tower 20. And you're like, how did I get this far away from where I started? That's what our life is like with the Lord. We can drift and not even realize it. All the while, we thought we were right here walking side by side, me and God, before I know it. I've got an addiction that's taken hold, or I've got relationships that are broken that need to be mended, or maybe I made some bad decisions in my life that I knew I shouldn't have made. Whatever it may be, we can have this spiritual drift that takes place, and God is saying, your life was meant, meant for so much more, but what are you listening to that's placing truth in you or a deception in you? Truth versus deception. It's all around us, and it's very hard to tell the difference if you don't have God's Spirit discerning you and saying, this is the life you were meant to live right here. So my encouragement to you today is, what spirit lives in you? Is it the Spirit of God? That's the life that God has in store for you. Are you living the life that you were meant to live? The second thought I have for us this morning is, we live to love. We live to to love. Verses 7 through 8 says it like this, another Hall of Fame scripture verse moment. Here we go. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is what? Love. Yes, he is. Anybody remember that song in Sunday school? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> and the old people like me said, amen, right? No. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember that song. There was a song to those verses that we would sing all the time, and it got in me as a kid. It's that God's love, uh, oh boy, you don't want to hear me sing, do you? Ooh, that's scary. Wow, the pressure's on. Okay, hang on here. Here we go. Do my stretches. Beloved, let us love one another, love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth God, knoweth not God, for God is love. Beloved, let us love one another, 1 John 4, 7 and 8. See? Yes! Yes! Woo! That was not in my notes, for sure. You guys got a bonus from the first service. Wow. Nicely done. See, it pays to sleep in, right? Um, wow. But we are called to love one another. It really comes down to that, you guys. This is the core of who we are as God's people. We are people who love. You might remember a few weeks ago, Donovan spoke about this, the difference between God's love and the world's love. They're very different. The world preaches a message of love. They do. And maybe with many people, it's good-hearted and it has good intentions. But it's often very different than the love of God. God's love is laced with truth. It's laced with what's best for you. It's laced with the fact that he wants you to spend eternity with him. It is full of something that only God can place there. It's connected to eternity and his plan for you and what he created you for. And so my question is, are you loving people in your life? It's amazing what happens when you show love to others, especially those that are not easy to love, 
all of a sudden there's this sense inside of you, this is what I was created for. This is the way life was meant to be lived. If you're feeling in your life right now like, man, maybe you're sitting like me and you're watching that 17-year-old winning the gold medal and thinking, I'm not really doing much with my life right now <laughs> while I'm eating tons of food. Um, but it's important. You got to do the reps, right? You got to do the reps, put the food up to the mouth. It's important. I'm training just in a different way. Um, but I promise you those feelings begin to go away as you begin to love other people. All of a sudden, it's like, yes, this is the better life. This is the life that can transform and make a difference. You know, we have this saying here in our church, and I actually heard it many years ago as well at a conference, but it just simply goes like this. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. You know, I think the enemy tries to stop us sometimes from making a difference in the world because he makes the problem too big. Like, oh, there's no way I could ever make a difference, so I'm just not going to do anything at all. But all the while, the Lord's saying, wait, 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 wait. We're going to simplify this. See that one person, that one neighbor, that one coworker, that one family member that you see at Christmas, that one whatever? God says, see that one? I want you to go after that one. You may not be able to do it for everyone, but you'll do it for that one. It'll make a difference. And that one will do it for another one. And before you know it, the world has changed. That's the strategy of God right there. I'll tell you a story. Um, many years ago, I worked at a coffee shop here in Marietta. True story. Um, I think I made the worst cup of coffee in town. Um, it's also a true story. Um, and, um, but I did it to support my my young family, and, and you know, I needed a, to make a little extra income, so I was a coffee barista. And that's really where my love of coffee came, because I realized now what bad coffee is, so I knew where to find good coffee when it finally came along. And, um, but when I was at this coffee shop, um, um, I basically worked evenings, and this lady kept coming in, and her name was Alice. And Alice came in um, often, and I kept wondering, why does she come in all the time? Because I know it's not for the coffee. And she would come in, and, and over the course of time, she started asking me questions uh, about my life and what I wanted to do. And I told her I was going to school to be a pastor someday. And, and she, would, she told me, she started sharing with me, she's a scientist and pretty, pretty smart scientist. She's doing cancer research. And, and, and so that would lead to spiritual conversations. And she would ask me about why I believe in God. And then she would use science to prove that God didn't exist. And these conversations went on uh, for many, many weeks, many months. And, um, and, you know, I didn't really ever know what I was accomplishing by these conversations. I would come home and tell my wife, Angel, I'd be like, "Hun, Alice came in again and we had this long hour talk while I'm making coffee for other people. And she, and she asked me questions. I didn't always have the answers for her, but I just listened and I tried to make a difference, but I don't think I really was. And after doing this for over a year with Alice, I ended up needing to step down from that job. And I didn't hear anything from Alice for probably about two years. And um, until one day I was at my parents' house, and this was so strange how this all went down. I'm at my mom and dad's house, who also live here in town, and... Um, my dad goes to the same coffee shop that I used to work at. And so he kind of knows Alice a little bit from just seeing her from time to time. Long story short, the phone rings while I'm at my parents' house. And my dad picks up the phone and my dad says, hey, you've got a phone call. So he hands the phone over to me. This is back in the days when we had something called a landline. <laughs> Many of you may not know what that is. Um, Probably the same group, though, that sang that song with me knows what a landline is. Um, <laughs> anyways, but we, so we, so my dad hands me the phone, and, um, and I answer the phone, and I said, hello, this is Rick, and Rick, this is Alice. How are you doing? And I'm like, how are you doing? How did you get my dad's phone number? And She's like, yeah, you know, I, 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 got, I hunted your dad's number down because I had to get a hold of you. And I 
thought maybe if I called your dad, I could, I could get a hold of you. And so here you are at his house. It's like, this is amazing. So I'm like, Alice, it's so good to hear from you. Oh my gosh, how are you doing? And it's been so long. And Alice is like, you know, she's like, I'm doing really good. She said, do you remember all those talks that we had at the coffee shop? I said, yeah, I do. So I'm not sure what they did for you, but hey, you sure, you must have enjoyed them because I know the coffee wasn't good. Um, and she said, yeah, you know what? You know what that meant to me? When you had those talks, you were showing love to me. You never gave up on me. You always listened to me. And I'm telling you, I didn't always get it right in my life, but apparently I got it right in this time with Alice. And she said, well, because of those times that we would talk about your, your faith and and, and she said, I know I challenged you. I know I came at you hard with science and my perspective. And she said, but that love that you showed me really impacted me more than you ever knew. Because when my friend recently invited me to go to church with them, I thought back to those conversations we had in the coffee shop. And I said yes to my friend. And I went to church. And would you not believe it? When I went there, I realized that everything you told me about Jesus was true. Right? And I'm bawling at this point. I'm like, I'm a wreck. I'm a wreck. I'm like, Dad, get me a cup of coffee. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> and she just wanted to call to say thank you for showing love to her that it made a difference in her life. You see, that's just how God can work through each one of us. Amen. Do for the one what you wish you could do for everyone. Don't let the enemy discourage you with showing love because as we show love, an amazing thing happens. Not only does the world transform around us, but we know who God is more and how God can work through us more and our Faith grows, and all of a sudden, before you know it, we start to step into the life we were meant to live. That's how God wants to work through each and every one of us. Are you living that life that you were meant to live? Third thought this morning as we read on is this. Who lives in you? Who lives in you? Let's read verses 9 through 16. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to help take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us us and his love is brought brought to full expression in us verse 13 and God has given us this spirit as proof that we live in him and he lives in us furthermore we have seen this with our own eyes and now testify that the father sent his son to be the savior of the world all who declare that Jesus is the son of God have God living in them and they live in God and we know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. If you're a follower of Christ in here or online or outside, this is a moment to remember who lives in you. If you're not a follower of Christ, this is a moment to ask that question earnestly. What, what or who lives in me? Because you see, as followers of Christ... God's Holy Spirit lives in us. Jesus resides in us. Jesus is in our life. I love what Pastor Aaron said if you were at our block party yesterday. He talked about it's not Jesus and our life. It's Jesus in our life. The difference between and and in are totally different. <laughs> Jesus is in us. His Spirit is in us. And he is living through us. Any Lion King fans out there? Man, I love The Lion King. One of my favorite movies of all time. Never, ever gets old. Of course, I'm talking about the cartoon. Um, 
the live action's good too. But, um, but I sure do love The Lion King. The story that's in it is such a profound story. And there's so many good moments in it. But one moment to me stands above them all. It's the moment when Rafiki, love Rafiki. Everybody needs a Rafiki in their life, right? Someone that knocks you over the head and reminds you about the truth. And um, it's the moment when Rafiki takes Simba to the water's edge because Simba had forgotten who he was. And he takes him to the water's edge, and this moment unfolds right here where he says, look and see whose reflection you see. And at first he didn't see it, but then Rafiki says, look deeper. And he says, you see his father, Mufasa, lives in you. His father lived in him. This is true for us. Some of us need to be taken to the water's edge right now. We need to look and see the reflection of who is in us and be reminded you are a child of the king. You are destined for something more. You don't have to run from what you were created to be any longer. Because God's spirit lives in you. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you, this stuff will preach people. It is right now. Look at that. Um, But see, God wants to remind you of who you are. Don't run from him anymore. Run to him. He's in you. And he wants you to live that better life that he is destined for you. So I'm going to ask you again, are you living the life you were meant to live? My next thought is this, living without fear. We can actually do that. We can live without fear. Let's, let's read on, verses 17 through 19. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can Face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Verse 18. Another Hall of Fame moment here, folks. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced God's perfect love. We love each other. Because he loved us, what? First. Good stuff. Look at our world around us. Talk about what motivates people right now. And it even creeps into our own lives without realizing it. There is a motivation of fear. And fear leads to all kinds of things that God never intended for us. It leads to division. It leads to broken relationships. It leads to hopelessness. It leads to a place that we were never supposed to go. And God's saying, you don't have to live with fear anymore. Because love drives out all fear. It's amazing. You need to put this to the test. I'm telling you, it really, really works. If your life is full of fear, full of panic, full of anxiety, start loving other people and see what happens. It works every time. As you show love to others, all of a sudden your mind drifts away from yourself and it gets put back on the main thing. And that's what God's doing in this world, in and through you and others who follow him. It becomes about that. It becomes about bringing people together, not pulling people apart. And see, this is is what the enemy is so good at. He gets us subtly away, just away enough, forgetting who lives in us, maybe allowing the spirit of the world to preach at us through whatever it may be, whatever platform has influence in our life before we know it, fear becomes our motivating factor. And it happens to all of us. 2 Timothy 1, 7 says this. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power 
love and self-discipline. So that sounds to me like a promise from God's word. So fear, according to the world, is not something God gives. So if you have fear in your life from things around you, you know who that's not from. But God is saying there is a way to remedy this. If you embrace his spirit and his spirit flows through you where love grows for other people, an amazing thing happens in your life. Years ago, I, in, in my 20s, I suffered from panic attacks and anxiety, really bad anxiety problem where I would go to the doctor often to try and figure it out. And, um, and there were times when I literally thought I was dying because of just anxiety in my life and panic. And the doctor tried as hard as he could, but nothing solved it until one day I'm in my car. And I'm just crying out to the Lord, Lord, this, is, this has got to stop. I know my life is meant for something more than this. And day after day, feeling like panic and dread. And I'll never forget it. It's one of those moments where it felt as audible as it could possibly be, where the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. Until you get your mind off of yourself and start putting it on others, this will never go away. And so I took God at his word, which is good. Um, <laughs> and I was like, okay, because I was, you know, I, I was younger and I knew I wanted to be in youth ministry. And so I went and got involved in the youth group at my church. And in that, God began to completely heal me as I started showing love to others. Before you know it, after just a few months of that, it was gone. It was gone. God healed me of it. Now, that's my story, but I believe that can be your story too. In terms of the fact that the things in your life where they hold fear or control over you, the more you release them and just say, God, I'm going to replace it with investing in other people and showing love to others, God will heal. God will restore. God will give you a different mind. He'll heal your mind from the things that cause panic and anxiety in your life. You see, the goal for all of us is to one day stand before the Lord and hear, well done, that's where this is leading for us. And when we have our eyes on Jesus, all of a sudden the dread of that goes away. We don't have to fear where we're going because we know whose we are. We belong to him. You know, I've, I, I used to tell my youth group back in the day this all the time. Back when I was a youth pastor, I would say, it's not who you are that matters in the end. It's whose you are. And when you look at it through that lens, he makes you who you are. It's amazing when you get the order right. So my encouragement to you today is don't live by fear anymore. We weren't made to live that way. Are you living the life you were meant to live? My final thought this morning out of 1 John chapter 4 is this. It's the title of our series. Live that love. Live that love. Verses 20 through 21 says it like this. If someone says, I love God but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. But if we don't love God, but if we don't love people that we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. Now that's pretty clear right there. God boils it down to the irreducible minimum, as they say. It's as basic as it can get. If we can't love others, how is it that we can experience the fullness of loving God? This is what he's trying to say. And if you follow me, then that will show itself through how you love those around you. This is so true. I, I don't know about you, but man, I don't want to be a liar. I, I don't want to be disingenuous with who I say I am as a follower of Christ. I want that to grow through loving other people. You see, in this passage, as it says, how can you love um, how can you not love people and love God who you can't even see, who you haven't seen God? I believe that what God is saying is love is actually an act of faith. It's an act of faith to step out and love people not knowing if it's going to come back at you, right? But in that, 
as you love others, your faith in God grows because you begin to understand more and more who God is as you live a life of love. This is how God intended us to live. And yet, we have drift in our life. We allow the world, we allow things to creep in that take us away from God's best. And my encouragement to you this morning today is when you belong to God, His Spirit is in you and His love will flow through you. And when His love flows in and through you, guess what? We can be certain that we are living the life that God meant for us to live. That's when we know. That's when we've reached that place of knowing this is what God created me for. This is why I'm here. You know, many of us are looking for certainty in our life. And I talked about this earlier as one of the main themes in 1 John. And I believe that 1 John, that, or that John not only wrote it, wrote it years ago for the people of that time, but definitely for the people of our time because as Donovan shared earlier in our service, we live in a world that's uncertain. We live in a world that's changing every day. The ground is moving beneath us literally, and, and cult the culture's changing, and it's like your head's spinning, and you can't even keep up with what's going on. But that's probably because we have our eyes on the wrong thing. You know, have you ever been on a ride before where you... It's going like this, carnival rides. Oh, my Lord, I can't stand those rides. But I know some people do. But when you're spinning like this, you're getting sick. And you're like, ah, I, got to sneeze. I want to get off before, you, you know, <laughs> something bad happens. But <laughs> when you're able to find something, a little trick somebody taught me, and you probably know the trick too, when you can fix your eyes on something that's certain, that doesn't move, all of a sudden that sickness starts to go away. All of a sudden you feel better. And I believe this is, that's a little bit of a symbolic thing about our faith. God designed us to live our lives with certainty. Let me give you an example of certainty. The other day I went to In-N-Out Burger. And I know that when I go to In-N-Out Burger and I order a double-double with grilled onions and a french fry, it is going to be good and I'm going to like it. <laughs> it's pretty certain. I'm pretty excited about it. It's better than any other burger I can get in town. I'm sorry if you're a Five Guys fan, didn't mean to offend, um, but I am certain of the fact that I am going to love my In-N-Out double-double. God wants us in the same way to live with certainty about our faith and about our life, to wake up every morning and be certain that God's got nothing good, nothing but good intended for us, and no matter what we face in that day, whether it's challenging, whether it's good, whether it's bad, God's with us if we keep our eyes focused on Him. So John writes this book so that we would have certainty in our life. Certainty of these things, that Jesus is the Son of God. That believers have eternal life through Jesus Christ. That God hears and answers prayers. That we are no longer in bondage to sin. That we are children of God. Remember who lives in you. That we can know the one true God through His Son Jesus. That His love can restore broken relationships and Jesus can heal he can set right these are the things of certainty that God wants to plant in our life that help us to live the life that we were created to live but the enemy wants nothing more than to pull you away from this he wants you to live your life alone not with others he wants you to be separate from others he wants you to be separated from God he doesn't want you to experience this certainty he doesn't want you to live your best life, the life that God has created you to live. The enemy wants you to think that you're doing it on your own. If you're at home right now, maybe this is a word for you. Or maybe you're sitting here in, in, in our venue one or outside and you're feeling alone even though there's people around you. This is a lie from the enemy. He's saying that God is saying first and foremost, I'm there. You don't have to do this alone. And as you love others, an amazing thing happens. Your life takes on purpose and meaning. So I mentioned the Olympics when I first started today. And I, I want to share my favorite Olympic story of all time. And it's not exactly what you think it would be. But in 1988, there was a runner named Derek Redmond. He ran the 400 meters for Great Britain. 
And um, before his first race even began in Seoul, Korea, his Achilles popped. And he couldn't, he couldn't finish the Olympics. And so his dream was seemingly done. Well, for the next four years, he trained really hard. He healed up, and he was able to make the 92 Olympics in Barcelona. And in the 92 Olympics in Barcelona, he was one of the favorites to win the gold medal. He was one of the fastest men in the world at the 400 meters, which is basically one time around the track. And so his first qualifying race happened, and he finished with his best time ever, and he was in contention for the gold. And so then he raced a semifinal and as he started running the semifinal, as one of the favorites to win the gold in the finals, he was in the lead. And he was about halfway around the track when all of a sudden he heard a pop again. This time it was his hamstring. And he immediately fell on live TV and hit the track. And as he's laying on the track through his peripheral peripheral vision, Derek recounts the story by saying, I watched runner after runner run by me, and with that I saw my dream going. And as all the runners had passed him, he got up to his feet, and I think one of the most amazing moments in Olympic history unfolded. As he got to his feet in front of 65,000 people who were watching in horror at what had happened to the favorite for the gold, he started literally hopping to the finish line and trying and was determined to get across the finish line. And as he started doing this, the most amazing thing happened. In the crowd of 65,000, there was a man. And this man jumped up and he went through security and he ran onto the field on TV in front of 65,000 people and countless others watching at home. And he put his arms around Derek Redman. And I want to read to you what Derek Redman's father said to him as he put his arms around him. And you'll see this picture on the screen. And that is that's me right now. There, there we go. Derek Redman's father ran down on the field. And he said, when I got there... He insisted, his son insisted on finishing the race. So I said to him, this is his dad, Jim, we started your career together and we will finish it together. And together, both of them, arm in arm, start heading towards the finish line together. With his dad there by his side, and the most incredible thing happened. 65,000 people from all around the world who were cheering on their own country, they didn't even care who won that race anymore. They stood up to their feet and started cheering this father and son. Because what they were seeing was a display of love. A dad who came to his son's rescue and put his arms around him, and together they finished that race to the roar of that crowd. And to this day, it's considered one of the greatest Olympic moments. It wasn't a gold medal like they had planned. It was something far greater. It showed the world love. Because people realize that's what they're looking for, that's what they need, that's what makes the difference. And they wanted what these two men were showing. And God wants that for you. If you're feeling alone right now, or you're feeling like you're running this life by yourself, God wants to run out of the stands right now, and he wants to put his arm around you. He wants to say, we're not going to do this alone. We started this race together, and we're going to finish it together. And in it, the world is going to see an act of love like they've never seen before. And that will make all the difference. So I'll ask you again, are you living the life that you were meant to live? 
When we live by the Spirit of God, His love will flow through us and lead us to that life that God created us to live, that we were meant to live. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the reminder in 1 John chapter 4, God, of the life that you're calling us to. It's so much better than anything we could imagine or dream. We maybe had our eyes on the gold. We had our eyes on something else. When all the while, Lord, when we thought that the enemy had us down or this life had us down or people had us down, you came and you rescue us. You stand by our side and say, we're going to show the world what the real prize is. It's God's love. It can make all the difference. It can transform any situation. So Lord, I pray for anybody in this building or online right now who doesn't know you as our Lord and Savior, who is saying, I feel alone Maybe there's something in this message that connected with their heart and they realize this is the moment when I need to experience God's love so that I can live the life that I was meant to live. If there's anybody here right now with every head bowed and every eye closed that wants to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and wants to say, I want you to come run by my side. I'm in pain and I can't do this anymore. I just would ask real quick while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you would just raise your hand where you're at and we're just going to pray for you. Wherever you're at, just raise your hand. Yes, we see your hand right here. Anybody else that just says, I need, yes, another one up there, we see you. One over here to my right, we see you. Anybody else that's saying, I can't do this alone anymore. I know my life is meant for something more. Another one up here in front. We see you, yes. If you're online, you can just type it in. I want to receive Jesus right now. Or if you're outside in our overflow, there are people out there as well that will pray for you. Just say this prayer after me. In fact, everybody can pray it. Jesus, I, I need you. I know I can't live this life on my own would you just would you come into my life Lord I'm going to choose to place my trust in you that you are who you say you are you are the son of God and you do have a better life plan for me and so right now I receive you as my Lord and Savior and I invite you to run side by side with me as we finish this race together the race of life, in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you so much for the reminder that you've given us today, the reminder of who we are. We are children of the King. You live in us. As you've taken us to the water's edge today, I pray that the reflection that we would see is yours and that it would fill us, God, to flow with love to a world who needs it so bad. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Come on, let's, let's give God thanks.